Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. Uh, this week I am joined by Chris Ainsley. Once again, this is part two of our interview that we did last year now. Uh, hello, Chris. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? That's good. Uh, now, we spoke, it was, was it March, April last year? Sometime around then. It, I don't know. I've forgotten. Time has no meaning anymore. So, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> And I'm back in the same room I was when I was speaking to you back then. <laughs> and it seems <laughs> like time hasn't moved forward. <laughs> no, we're in, the, we're in the 2020, 2021 wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> Trying so, to get out. <laughs> so h- how are you doing since then? All okay? Hopefully all everything's, everything's okay since everything's then. Fine. Yeah, it's, <laughs> everything's great. That, that's good because, you know, before pre-COVID, when we'd ask people, how are you? It would be just a, just a start to conversation. But now we genuinely mean it. It's like, how are you? Everything okay? So that's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, we you, you of course, uh, we, last time we spoke of detail about uh, Adventure On and your text adventure literacy, literacy project and your specific games that you made and uh, what it does. And uh, so we can briefly refresh people's minds on what those are. And then we will be talking about the game jam that you have now, which is very exciting and a famous person who's involved with this game jam. Yes. Uh, so if, if people want to hear more about the particular, more detailed the Adventure On and uh, Tax Adventure Literacy Project, then you can listen to uh, our previous interview. I will include a link in the show notes. Um, but first of all, I guess to refresh our memory a bit, uh, what is the adventure on? So imagine that I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> imagine people haven't listened to our previous interview. Um, what what pre- generally is adventure on? Uh, adventure on is a text adventure authoring system that runs inside the browser and can create games that uh, execute uh, inside the browser. So you essentially have a development environment that runs inside the browser that can create um parser based games so these are games where you either enter a command or you speak a command and then the game will respond to you with some text or an image or uh, a video and uh it's similar to older systems that were available in the 80s and there there are uh, some very popular systems that were created in the 90s too but adventuron's kind of i guess niche is that you can do all of this within the browser and it has a lot of theming uh support uh, one additional uh, aspect of it is that there is an inbuilt tutorial to, uh, that is aimed at teaching children how to code. So the version of Adventure on that's available right now is called Adventure on Classroom, and it has a set of lessons that are, that are attached to the system. So that's what Adventure on is in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I remember I was really interested because uh, I was an English teacher in a previous life, and, mm-hmm. I, and I was thinking, God, I would have totally use this if I had been a teacher <laughs> you know maybe for myself but also I would have told children hey look children let's uh, let's create games and also they would have learned as well be a great way for them to to learn English uh, and I know we spoke about uh, I believe your aim was for it to be used in classroom it's called classroom uh, has yes. there been has there been any update that you can uh, talk about since then or is there anything or well, to be honest, the, there's only one classroom that I know of that's using it um, on a regular basis. Um, and plus, there's another classroom which I suspect is using it, but because nobody has to register to use Adventure on Classroom, right. not spying on anybody, so it's been very difficult to tell <laughs> how many classrooms. I know directly that one classroom has used it, and there's a, there's a class of 15 students that have been enjoying using it. Some of those games might appear uh, quite soon, actually. But um, there seems to be some school in, um, in Hong Kong that's using it, but I don't know. Uh, if you want to contact me, contact me, but I, I really don't know specifically. So I would say it's going very slowly, but you know, one, one classroom is better than no classroom. Exactly. That, listen, that is something that is, <laughs> yes. and you know, and I'm not saying it to be patronizing, I don't, because I think definitely if anybody's using this, 
then because mm-hmm. then you don't know if um, you know the kids are then afterwards if this is what you know of uh, because it probably are other as you mentioned other classrooms other people using it but you don't know. I don't know. Um, so if you know people listening, if you do use this, please get in touch with Chris Ainsley to let him know <laughs> uh, yes. because it sounds like a, a great idea. So again, that's a people for kids. So presumably you don't need to be an expert on code or you don't need to know how to make uh, games. Nearly anybody uh, should be able to to make games using this program. Yes, I mean, or... but there there is there is a caveat to that, which is that. Okay. <laughs> whilst it shouldn't be, whilst it shouldn't be difficult to make a text adventure game, it is difficult to make a text adventure game if you don't know what text adventures are. So there's a kind of prerequisite that's involved. It's like if if you say, "I'll oh, build me a car," well, you know what a car is. And if you say, "I've got a really easy way to build text adventure games," and then they say, "What what are those?" Mm. Well, it's not that appealing if if you don't really know what text adventures are. So I'd say that's the prerequisite to uh, if you haven't if you have an interest in this, you have to learn that you have an interest in this and a lot of people have no idea what text adventures are so therefore they can't be interested in something they don't know about that's that's true and are there i believe you mentioned were, were there games that uh, were already in this classroom to show people what a text adventure is and how it it works or yes um so there's a inbuilt tutorial game which is uh, excalibur sword of kings which is a conversion of an old game from 1987 uh, and I actually bought the rights to that game because I really liked it as a child. So that's kind of the tutorial game. So that's how you know it's kind of very genuine to, to the spirit of the adventures from those days because the tutorial game is an adventure from those days. Uh, there's also a tutorial adventure called Cave of Magic, which is kind of a boring adventure, but it's fun to put together. Uh, it's, it's really fun to put together because you can do it in about half an hour to one hour. And um, this this all these adventures have graphics that you can that you can add in that teach you the concepts of text adventure games. And that relates to this text adventure literacy project, which we're probably going to be talking about in a little while. But if the adventure has to teach you to how to play adventures before they can teach you how to code adventures. So that's kind of the prerequisite that, that unfortunately the system is encumbered with. Sure. Yeah, you have to know what it is first before you. Yes. Create, but <laughs> yeah. But but again, I think it's uh, it can work in different ways because uh, it can help kids if English isn't their first language. It can help them learn English at the same time. And yes. Uh, well, d- depending, I suppose, on who's teaching it, it should be fun <laughs> because games are supposed to be fun as well and educational. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which uh, this seems to be. And uh, now before we get to the literacy project, which you mentioned, I believe that there is a Discord. I, I see this here. Is there a Discord for it? Is that still active? Or? Yes, the Discord's uh, active and uh, it's it's more popular than I thought it would be. I only launched the Discord a couple of weeks ago and I had another kind of social media presence and there were about uh, 18 members in that group and Discord's already up to about 60 now. So wow. um, that's, that's going quite quite well for something that's only two weeks old. Wow, so there, there's a lot of discussion and support. And if you have a question, it's, it's a friendly community. That's great. I will include the links in the in the show notes. So again, I'd be, I I might I'll definitely be joining up myself just to uh, right. you know pop in. <laughs> uh, yeah, Workers are welcome. Yes. Oh, I'll try and be, you know a bit active as well. I'll try and write something. <laughs> That's not just spam for <laughs> for the Adventure Games podcast. I'll try and you know get involved as much as I can yeah. <laughs> as well. Um, so yeah, so that's the adventure on classroom. Again, we we went into more detail about this in our previous interview last year, and um, it sounds like people are already really interested in it. So I'd recommend that people check it out. And uh, of course, they can join your Discord and get in contact with you. I'm sure if they have any further questions. Uh, yeah. about it um so then you mentioned the text adventure literacy project i think i said that okay it's a mouthful <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> i have problems saying literacy i again former english teacher having problems with english that's <laughs> mm-hmm. um so what what is this uh project then so again i don't we, we spoke about this in more detail um last year but what what is the or the talp I'm going to call it TALP for now. <laughs> TALP, TALP is easy. Uh, what, what exactly is the TALP then, before we go on to the game jam? So the Text Adventure Literacy Project is a, a, a little project that I started that basically gives you an, an acronym to use if you're looking for games that 
will teach players how to play text adventure games from the very beginning. So these are text adventure games that have that assume no prior knowledge, that will teach you inside the game what text adventures are, how to do the normal regular activities inside text adventure games, and just basically stoke your interest in the genre. You may have no interest and you'll find that out, but if you do have interest, you'll find that out too. So that's the purpose of the project, to promote a certain type of design uh, inside games to bring in newcomers to the genre, if, if they like the genre, which they may not, they may, but it's trying to invite newcomers to check out the genre without it being scary and assuming mm. lots of prior knowledge. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because, I mean, I'm an you know, adventure game fan, obviously, and I have played, uh -huh. as I told you before, recording some text adventures um, or interactive fiction with <laughs> discussion yes. on that last time as well. <laughs> yes. um, but, and you, you actually really scared. I think the scary thing is like, you know, now we're so used to graphics with games and there's mm -hmm. no graphics, it's all writing. And then from what I know back then in the 80s, and I mentioned to you as well with games like Zork and other text adventures at the time, that they were very difficult. And there were unwinnable states that there was one game that I played that was unwinnable. And I thought, oh, mm -hmm. I am not going back over all this again. I enjoyed it, but I'm not going back over it. Um, so I, I suppose my, my question is then that, uh, are these games that you mentioned in the top, are they like that? Are they as difficult as challenging or are they easier <laughs> uh, in general? So Talp doesn't define how difficult something ultimately becomes, but you're not allowed to put a game uh, in an unwinnable state. So that's okay, something that that's is good. <laughs> that's something that is just too too unfair, especially to newcomers. The talp is really about the the onboard the onboarding process, the ramp up to being able to explore the game, solve the puzzles all by yourself. Now it may be that the the onboarding should always be gentle. But how the game gets later is entirely up to the author themselves. You know, if they want to have lovely, tricky, uh, multifaceted puzzles, they're allowed to do that. Um, they're allowed to do everything, really. But the talp, talp encourages a certain set of design um, traits that will allow beginners <clears throat> to not be intimidated by the by the genre. And just to pick up on a point that you said that text adventures are uh, they don't have graphics. Well, they, they do. Uh, if you want them to have lots and lots of graphics, they, they do have graphics. And, right. <laughs> uh, that's another part of Talp is that games are encouraged to have graphics. But the way the graphics work in text adventure games, uh, you don't have a character uh, walking around on the screen. So the character is not inside the screen. It's essentially from a first person perspective. You see it shows you a picture of the surroundings that you're in. And then the text, of course, is the interaction method between yourself and the game that you can actually type commands into the game rather than just clicking. Uh, I, I don't mean just, but when you click with a mouse or with your finger, um, there's prescribed things that you can do. So everything is, it tends to be um, some contextual action that you can do, use this, uh, open this, even the scum interface, which I think is an excellent interface for uh, graphic adventure games. There, are, uh, there were finite things that you could try and do with those verbs. Now you don't have that in text adventure games. You, you can use your imagination to, oh, I'll see if I can try this, I'll see if I can try this. And um, in that way, the games are more interactive in many ways than even the graphic games. And when you add graphics in there, then it become become very, very appealing uh, in theory, in theory. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so, sorry, that's, that's a good point. Thank you for pointing that out because yes, of course, the, I mean, the, um... The text adventures that I played had no graphics. <laughs> yes, but I mean it is very common for text adventures to have no graphics. It's very yeah, common. The, it doesn't have to be that way. But one of the things that I like about this project is that you can put in uh, graphics as well. That it kind of is, uh, you know, like, like um, you know, balance, you know, both uh, writing text and then their illustrated graphics as well. So it can help you picture the scene. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that's that's not unique to adventure. On I mean, uh, games have been doing that for. A long, long time. And there were always trade-offs between graphics and text and certain types of games were very, very text light because they knew that they would sell more games <clears throat> with nice, nice graphics on the back of the cover. So when people turned over the box or the cassette tape or the disc or something like that, they want to see the lovely fancy graphics. And mm. a lot of people, they were, they were motivated by the graphics and Infocom weren't, right? Infocom adventures were generally uh, just, just textual. And there were people that really enjoyed that style of game. But then you had more casual players that were drawn in by the graphics and 
perhaps mm. I was that kind of consumer. So I, I most of the most of the adventures I bought had graphics. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think both could be could be good, but um, but yeah, I think the graphics can can help. Uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, to kind of sell the game and get people to buy the yes. game and then enjoy <laughs> it. Uh, but one, one of the things that you mentioned, which I really like, is that um, you mentioned that you're, you're trying to get, you know, teach people how to play text adventures, see if they like it, and hopefully get new people or new generation involved, because that's one of the reasons why I started a podcast. I don't know how successful that has been, <laughs> if it has been or not, because, you know, I love adventure games, and now I'm, I'm always trying to get new people into it, friends of mine, family, I think of, in lockdown, I, might, I think I've got one or two people who don't play even games, kind of you know into some games i don't know how long that will last but um but how how do you, do you know how you know successful or not successful but how uh, have do you know how many people have been able to use the, the talp who maybe weren't fans of text adventure or adventure games or gamers you know or has the you know how do people like that because that's one of the things that i really like about about this that i'm like yeah i think we can rather than just you know obviously i'm sure text adventure fans will enjoy it but i always like it when people try to you know broaden their horizons so how do you know if there's any any feedback about that from new players i'll stop rambling now. well i know that um <laughs> i've heard feedback from specific um parents and children that said that they enjoyed excalibur and the the talc right. that was the talc game number one and there was there was talc game number two which was cave of magic which Again, it's a very, very simplistic uh, adventure game. But the first game was, uh, I've heard a lot of good feedback from parents and children that have been playing those games together, as well as uh, teachers and classrooms that have played that game. But in terms of other people actually joining in to the Text Adventure Literacy Project, now, I don't have a lot of <laughs> uh, media coverage or anything like that. So it's quite normal for something mm. to become buried over time. And actually, we spoke about the Text Adventure Literacy Project in the last podcast that we did together, so part one. Mm. And uh, it was in that podcast. I said, well, you know what I should do? And I was just thinking kind of on my feet. I said, I should do a game jam just for people to make games for beginners. And ever since I said it, which wasn't pre-planned <laughs> or anything like that, it's it's been a plan that that uh, the pro people have made some very, very, very good games in the in the game jams. There's been five game jams so far. But I would say that very few of those games were targeted at newcomers. Most of the games assumed some prior knowledge. And that's fine because it's, it's fans making games for fans. But if you wanted to introduce those games to new players, they would be turned off because they just don't know how to play the game or they would need hand-holding to go through it. And if you have to, if somebody has to tell you that it's fun, then it's not fun, right? So you just have to discover that it's fun for yourself. And then you believe it's fun because the knowledge isn't being insist thrust upon you. You're discovering it for yourself. So the idea behind this jam, which came from our last podcast, so thank you very much. <laughs> so the idea behind it, it, it this jam. not intentional on my part, but I'll take the credit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the idea behind this jam was, was that let's make things harder for people writing the games in exchange for making things easier for the people playing the games. Because creating a tutorial, actually creating a, adventure game that's very that has an easy onboarding process is a little bit more tricky than just writing uh, a regular text adventure so it's more of a challenge uh, and because it is more of a challenge um, and because I think it's a general a general service to the community to have these resources available to interest new players this was the first jam that's not associated with I mean I'm the author of Adventuron, but this jam doesn't require that you write it in Adventuron. If you have any other technology to do this type of thing, so it's open to all other systems. Uh, but there are certain there are certain rules to the games that you design, such that it should appeal to beginners. So there are rules, but those rules aren't system specific rules. It's not like you must use Adventuron. Um, okay. I have a lot of documentation for Adventuron, of course, but people with other systems or with preferences or with pre-existing knowledge. They can just bring bring that to the table and uh, and create whatever adventure they want in whatever system they like. Cool. So the rules are mainly for the games themselves. That yes. So it's not a, it's not like a prescriptive. You must use adventure on uh, because that that would be. I, I think it would limit the possible good that could come of this. And I think the 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 real good of this is to build a set of games that's uh, interesting for beginners. Right. No. That's. 
Again, to me, that, that sounds good because, I mean, I have played some text adventures, but I'd still consider myself a beginner with these. <laughs> so, yeah, probably me too. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned this game, Jam, so we can go right into this. Um, so the Adventure Games podcast-inspired Games Jam. Which, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what, what is the actual title? I'm pre I presume that that's not the actual title of the Games Jam. <laughs> uh, well, actually, the title of the Game Jam is the text adventure literacy jam so i dropped the project because i just didn't want to have so many words so it's the uh, text adventure literacy jam okay and uh, so and this actually has a partner uh partner jam which is in the spanish language which is a little bit more wordy so if i can tell you yeah. uh, all right. No, dude. Sorry to the listeners, though. <laughs> oh, they've heard a lot worse. <laughs> so I have to look this up because I'm not a native uh, Spanish speaker. So uh, a Spanish version of the jam is the, and apologies for my terrible <laughs> enunciation of Spanish, but the de Initian, initiation a la adventurous de texto, texto which uh, approximately means the text adventure initiation contest. <laughs> so we have a Spanish version of the jam at the same time um, because it seems to be the English and the Spanish communities that really love text adventures the most. I mean, plenty of others do, but those seem mm. to be the two most active communities. And how did you get how did you get this to be made in Spanish as well? How did you get involved? Uh, presumably, with people from Spanish-speaking countries. Uh, yeah, yeah, there are Spanish uh, there are Spanish users of Adventure on, and there's there are Spanish users, and they seem to be very keen on a system called DAAD, which is a um, a text adventure system that was developed for the Spanish language by Tim Gilberts, who built the Quill and the professional adventure writing system, pause system. And uh, in the late 80s, he was commissioned to create this DAAD system. And lots of Spanish adventure game writers have an active community around that. And that was part of the reason why this was such a system agnostic game jam, because there are a lot of people that have that knowledge and, and uh, that passion for that particular system. So I guess most people who are going to be joining in the Spanish language won't be using adventure at all. They'll be using DAAD. Which is a great system. So I'm happy, <laughs> happy anybody in any system to uh, to contribute. And uh, I should mention that the Spanish jam wouldn't be possible um, without um, a co-organizer. Let me see if I can uh, enunciate his name. His name is <laughs> Juan Juan Munoz. Juan Munoz, and he's translated the entire uh, jam. And uh, he's made a lot of arrangements, and he's uh, donated some uh, prizes for the Spanish Jam too. Well, so so he seems to be really into it. If he's translated all of it and donated prizes, it's <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> it's a very like, active Spanish community. Yeah, sounds like people are you know really active or really involved in this, which which is great. Um, it's, it's now before we get into uh, you know another person who is. Are, are, uh, yeah, actually, shall we shall we talk about him now to say in the English version that there is a famous mm -hmm. person who is uh, who's involved? Uh, do you want to talk about uh, about this person and how he okay. got involved? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Scott Adams, who is the uh, creator of the first microprosa-based text adventure games and uh, very famous um, author of text adventure games. Uh, he is contributed. <laughs> yes, well, I'm sure a lot of you. Some, some may not have, but um, true. That's he, true. Yeah, it's. But he has uh, donated several prizes. In fact, he's he's donated uh, one prize to a, a prize pool, which is a license for his recent game, <clears throat> Adventureland XL. But he's also donated a kind of special prize, which is a It'll be a personalized T-shirt, um, and <laughs> the award is called the Scott's Choice Award. So he's going to choose a game from the top five games, which is his favorite, and uh, give a personalized t-shirt with a message on uh, to the winner of that particular prize. Now that prize only applies to the English language competition, unfortunately, because he doesn't feel that he's able to judge the Spanish games. Uh, but hopefully we'll have something similar uh, on the Spanish competition too, but very grateful 
to Scott for uh, donating his time and this prize. Yeah, that's fantastic. As you said, uh, you know, it's like the godfather of the of the text adventure, <laughs> who, is now, <laughs> who is now donating uh, to you know prizes to to this project, to this game jam. Which uh, um, yeah, and, and Scott's still active to this day. He's still yeah. producing text adventure games, and he's still very much an active member of the community. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that he's still making text adventures. As I said, I'm not far from an expert on text adventures. That's not what I, I know about, which is another reason why I'm delighted to talk to you so I can learn more. Uh, how, how did he get involved in, in this project, uh, if you're able to, to say? How did, how did you manage to get the godfather of text <laughs> adventures to be involved with uh, Literacy Project? That's quite a coup. <laughs> well, we've been a member of the same um, Facebook group uh, okay. for text adventures for a while. And we've... We've communicated for quite some time and uh, I mentioned the jam to him and what the goal of it. And uh, he said he was very supportive. He says, is there anything I can do? And I said, well, um, do, do you have something? I mean, could you be a judge? But he couldn't, he, he obviously didn't have enough time to judge every single um, game because he didn't know how many games there might be. So he said, right, yeah. I, can judge, I can judge five of them. I can judge five of them. So <laughs> that's how the idea came up with, uh, he's going to choose a game from the top five and the top five, at the moment, the methodology for choosing the top five is still in the air. It may be a judging panel. It may be a public vote. Uh, that will be announced in possibly a week or two weeks' time, uh, trying to get the judging panel together. But uh, we'll see if we get enough. But whatever the method is of, of finding the top five, Scott will then go through the top five games and take his pick. It may be, it may be the same game that comes first. It may be the game that comes fifth. It's the one that he likes the most. So that's a great opportunity for somebody to... Um, I guess, uh, have their place in history by being selected by Scott. Yeah, definitely. That sounds like, uh, you know, like, well, the Oscars in a way that uh, <laughs> yes. you, know, you get through to, to the Oscars and then the one winner. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's not, as I said, it's, you know, great that Scott Adams himself will be involved at least this way. And um, you said you, you don't know how many adventure games there are, text adventures. Uh, do, do you know, is, is there a limit to the amount of, text adventures that uh, that can be uh, as was proposed for this uh, games jam or is it unlimited? No there's, there's no, there's no limit to the number of games that can be entered. I mean, uh, maybe there's an actual limit of interest, but there's no limit. There's no arbitrary limit on the number of games that can, uh, that can be entered. Uh, I mean, technically speaking, you could enter multiple games if you, if you had the time to do such a thing. Okay. And then how, uh, what are the, what are the dates then that people can enter? Uh, the games. Uh, don't know if you uh, if if you have it there because I believe it's uh, you're mentioning that it was a few or it's about a month. I think that uh, just uh, just over a month. So the official start date of the competition was the 25th of February, and it's the time of recording is the 26th of February. Um, the end date is the 31st of March. Okay, so, so people, you have the entirety of March plus a couple of days in February. I mean, so, what, what else would we be doing now in lockdown? <laughs> yeah. Now might be the perfect time for people if you wanted to even, you know, to try and create maybe a text adventure now when you maybe have more time. That might be a great time now. I mean, there are, there are tutorials for adventure on, but if you have knowledge of other systems, then put that to sure. use. Or uh, if you want to, I guess, uh, make your own adventure with explicit code, not explicit code, but what I mean is uh, native code. <laughs> Not explicit code. Let me make that clear. Um, this is a family these friendly games should, be, game should be suitable for children. Should certainly be suitable for children. And there's, I mean, we'll go through. I guess we'll go through a few of the rules. Uh, yes. A little bit, in a little bit later on, but the yes, the the games themselves uh, can be developed in anything you like, and uh, you can enter as many times as you like if you have the time. And there are tutorials to help you if you think that you can't do it. Um, some of the tutorials are an hour, right? So you can see if you fail in an hour. And if you if you fail an hour and you say, oh, you know what, this isn't for me or it's not friendly enough, then uh, that's perfectly fine. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, so you mentioned then that there are uh, rules, but then you know, before that, um how so after the 31st of march is when you is that will that be when you start judging the games then do you have any dates yes. then for when the games themselves will be judged yes that's right um let me get the exact date up um i'm going to so the the whole of april will be the judging uh period of the jam 
And I believe, sorry, because I'm not logged into my account at the moment, but I believe the last day of judging is going to be around the 4th of April. It could be the 10th of April. Okay. And so, then, so that's going to be the uh, either the judging panel period or the uh, public vote period. So you would have to have an account if it was to a public vote on itch. And typically this has worked quite well in the past and there hasn't been any issues with, I guess, uh, uh, cheating or anything like that. It's a, it's a very friendly community, and uh, such things would never happen. Never happen. <laughs> that's again, that, that's again, very nice, friendly community in the spirit of the game. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, that that is uh, that is great. Now you mentioned um, well rules. I don't know if this is specifically a rules, but uh, now we were talking before recording that there are different types of text adventures. There are adventures uh, with verb noun. And others with more a more complex parser. Uh, what type of games would these be? Uh, would would it be either verb noun or complex parser or a mix of both? Or so for Talp, um, there, there's discussion about which types of text adventure games are the most fun. So there is one school of thought that says that the the most fun that you can have with a text adventure game is. Uh, the idea that you can try anything, you can try full sentences, and the computer will try to try to enact the instruction that you've just given the game. Um, and there's another school of thought, which is that the less that you have to type into the game, the more fun it is because you can try more things in a faster period. And so this particular game is a verb noun game. So only a verb and then only a noun. Get lamp, uh, tie rope, uh, give coin. Now, the reason for that is it's very easy to explain those rules. They may be very limited, but the limitation makes it very, very easy to explain to newcomers. You only need to use a maximum of two words. It could be one word, it could be two words, but it will. It should never be three words. Uh, there are some exemptions to that, that if you have uh, like a connecting word in the middle, that may be possible because certain systems don't support just two words, right? They have to, they allow a connecting word. So it's not a hard and fast rule that you couldn't have a connecting word in the middle, but it's just verb and just noun. Your game should not depend on any additional words. And that makes it very, very, very easy to explain to, to newcomers. And that's the reason that verb noun was chosen. Yeah, that, that makes sense for newcomers to the genre that, you know, if you start telling to type, they have to type full sentences. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine I might get lost very quickly and might get frustrated, but here with, you know, as you mentioned, give, get lamp, give rope, talk wizard, that, and it's, yes. it kind of is, a, I find, very addictive when I play, because when you start typing these just two verbs, verb noun, and then you see that there is a result, and it's like, oh, I have a very quick result. Yeah, and, very and quick one result, the, and yeah. One of the kind of most addictive things in the games is when you see a quick result and you get some audio cue in the background, so you do something, uh, you, you talk to the wizard and the wizard says, oh, I'm going to make a bridge for you. And then suddenly the graphic changes and it shows you a bridge. But at the same time, it plays uh, like a little like a little beepy tone or some sound effect, a bell, a bell ringing or something like that. And children playing can connect their what they typed with some sort of positive, uh, some positive results, some audio cue, some visual cue, or just the cue of the text updating itself. So part of the um, part of the rules is to have uh, as much interactivity and as few words as possible. I mean, it seems a bit weird, right, to have a text adventure that tries to limit you to words. But one of the rules is that the descriptions and the incidental messages that you have are a maximum of two sentences. And that's down to uh, trying to appeal to, I guess, attention spans these days are a little bit lower than perhaps they were in the past. If you only had one game and it kept you captive, like you took it took 10 minutes to load or something and you loaded up the game, you're gonna try and you're gonna try and you're gonna to try to enjoy the game. But if you're not gonna get that instant hit from a text adventure game these mm. days, you need to have an instant hit. So part of the, the part of the rules is to essentially walk the player through the first puzzle and solution. So you essentially give up a puzzle. You have a puzzle, which is interesting, but then you kind of like enforce a cheat on that particular puzzle just to show what you would have to type to solve the puzzle. And now that you've demonstrated how to solve a puzzle, now you can move forward and you know that verb noun is the way you solve puzzles. Mm. So you, at the beginning of every game in this competition, 
you kind of have to give away a puzzle. Okay. Yeah, to show them how it, how it's played. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that makes sense. Or uh, or just th- throw them in there, throw them into the deep end. Go, okay, kids, or okay, people. Yeah, you figure yeah. it out. <laughs> uh, but no, no, sounds sounds fantastic. You know, sounds because you get that immediate buzz, as you mentioned, that you're making progress. Yeah. I mean, that's that's in theory, and of course, there are different there are different uh, ways of communicating with these games, especially when it comes to navigation, north, south, east and west it's not the most perfect way to move around and certain systems can move around a little bit more easily than that that you can have key presses that will go north south east and west but you kind of have to teach these basic concepts the concepts of taking things dropping things concepts of looking inside your pockets Uh, now those are easy on graphic adventures and there's an argument we say well graphic adventures just universally better but they're not necessarily universally better for one it's difficult to produce a graphic adventure and um, you don't have the ability to mix and match verbs and nouns in the way that you do in, um, in text adventure games. So if you're, if you're an amateur author, you can put a text adventure game together uh, much faster. And that's almost as interesting as playing the games. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and then you mentioned puzzles then as well. So is there a, a limit to how long uh, a game is, or how short or how many puzzles uh, or is that up to the uh, to the creators there's a minimum there's a minimum set of puzzles which is that the game should have your game should have six puzzles minimum and a puzzle okay. is defined by some non-trivial action that performs a state change in the world so um, if I say get lamb that's a trivial action right that's an obvious action that's not a puzzle that's right. not a puzzle solution <laughs> if I say look lamp or examine lamp Again, those are those are normal verb noun interactions with things in the word world. If I say tie rope and some something happens, now I can go up because I tied the rope. That's a puzzle, right? So you could say that's one of the puzzles of the six. And it shouldn't be too difficult to make a game with six puzzles, hopefully. Um, so I, I think it's a reasonable minimum. Okay. And then as well as unwinnable states and text adventures, uh, there is also you know, death, sudden death in, in tech, from what I know, and uh, I think in some cases, permadeath. Uh, I don't know how popular they were. Uh, are these allowed, are these permitted in the, in the TALP? So um, death is an interesting subject. Um, I guess there's a school of thought that comes from Sierra, that Sierra games were often quite unforgiving in that you could have a sudden death at pretty much any point in the game. And uh, you might be thrown back quite far in the game because if you didn't save at the right point and then you die, it's a bad thing. And uh, unwinnable in, unwinnability is not allowed, is not permitted at all. So you, let's say you have to give an apple to the troll. Um, you get an apple from the tree. You eat the apple. Now you don't have an apple to give to the troll. You can't get past the troll. Now, the game is unwinnable. But do you know it's unwinnable? Well, maybe if the troll is saying, I need an apple. Now you know, oh, dear, I just ate the apple. But if the game is kind of doesn't really give you any hints that you've just completely ruined the game for yourself, then you can be playing for hours and hours and hours and frustrated that you can't get past the next puzzle because you already used the critical object. So unwinnability is not allowed. Sudden death is something very, very different because sudden death with rollback is permitted. So if you have a kind of undo mechanism, then you're allowed to have a sudden death. Like you, I, I don't know, you climb the mountain and you fall. And then as you fall, it says, oh, you fell, you fell to the ground and your quest is over. If only you had some climbing gear. Now you learn from that death, right? So death, right. death right. with like a groundhog day mechanic, um, that's okay, that's okay. But if you have death that then pushes you back to the beginning of the game, that's not okay. So this, this jam is very opinionated about kind of design practices. And in my view, unwinnability is like unforgivable. There's no good I, reason I to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but sudden death, uh, I think that's conditionally, it can be fun. Because if you're in a game where nothing bad can happen to you, right? There, there are monsters, right? But the monster never eats you. Uh, there are, you know, there's a dangerous path, but you never fall off the path. Then you kind of feel like you're not connected to the world. Like you shouldn't be careful because something bad can happen. But if something bad happens and the most that you lose, is a turn well there's nothing wrong with losing a turn and now you're going to be wary like you're not going to be trying to trigger the death every single time you might find it funny to try to trigger certain deaths 
try to find the different deaths in the game. But you're not going to be killing yourself over and over and over again. Hopefully those deaths will teach you some lesson. And now, in fact, the deaths may be part of the design because you need to know that you need the climbing gear before. And the only way that you can find out is dying. Maybe you, you try to climb and you think, well, what, you know, I'll try to climb. And uh, what's wrong with that? Oh, yeah, I need the climbing gear. So sometimes deaths are a, way, a good way of signposting clues to the player what they need to do to get past the death. Yeah, I, th I think that that's fair enough. As you say, unwinnable states, I hate them. I hate that. Yes. But I think with uh, <laughs> de certain deaths like this, which can help you, um, mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of the Tom Cruise movie, which was, I know it's called now, I think, Live, Die, Repeat. It had another name I can't remember. It had, uh, was it Edge of, Edge of Tomorrow? Edge of Tomorrow, yes. That, which mm -hmm. I prefer that name, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> but where again, he, he kept dying and coming back and he kept learning yeah. as he was dying. So it kind of feels like feels like this, that uh, you know, if you die, if you say, for example, fall off a mountain, but you learn, oh, I could have had uh, mountain gear. So yeah, that seems uh, fair. I, could, yeah. I, I guess my final question um, on, on this is, uh, how are the games judged? How, what is the criteria to judge the game? So you mentioned to be in the top five for Scott Adams to give his prize. Uh, how, how will you guys, how will the judging panel or how should the public, if there's a public vote, judge the games uh, when they're being judged? So there are, um, I believe, six categories. So the first category is the tutorial quality. <clears throat> the second is story. The third is uh, puzzles. The fourth is characters. The fifth is graphics, which is optional. So graphics are recommended, but you don't have to uh, put graphics in your game. If you feel like you can make a fun game without graphics, then that's perfectly fine. Um, uh, actually, there are seven categories here. <laughs> the next category is cheat sheet, which is that some games might decide to put in an optional cheat sheet uh, for the game, which is quite useful if you are, let's say you want to present a map of the game and uh, like the kind of feelies that you got with the games in the 90s. So again, that's an optional category. But the enjoyment category is the one that is used to select the winner. So there, and that's not an average of the other categories. So anybody judging will judge enjoyment, um, I guess the way that they feel about the game and they may base it on whatever weighted averages they feel are appropriate, but it's not supposed to be an average. So for example, you could still have a top game that has no graphics, right? If somebody finds an exceptionally well-designed game that has no graphics, um, then they could still be the winner. So that's how the top, the placements will be decided. And that, that's been similar in other jams as well. You always have one score which represents, you know, this is this is the one that will represent your placement. Cool. Okay, yeah, because that makes sense of how much you enjoy. <laughs> the, the <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the only way that I could really put it into words, enjoyment. Yeah, no, again, it, it, for me at least it makes a lot of sense. So no, I'm, I'm really curious about this. I might try some of these games myself. Um, once uh, you know, once they're available, uh, so people can find out more. We will include uh, the link in the show notes. Um, so uh, I see here the, the the link is itch.io forward slash jam forward slash taup, but we will include it in the show notes so people can join the jam, can uh, create their own text adventures, and uh, and then can play them after twenty first of March. So yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, so I'm, look, I'm looking looking forward to this. It's and, and I guess before before we finish up our interview, then I wanted to uh, ask you, following on from our conversation last year about text adventures, and um, what what is the kind of state of text adventures since then? Have you has there been any change or any update? Because you know they were very popular back in the eighties, but then when graphics, well, you know, point and click games came, and then first person shooters and all. Uh, to have been as popular. Are they still popular? You mentioned Scott Adams was still making text adventures, which surprised me. So is there still like an active community in the text adventure genre? Is it still alive and well? Or or how would you describe it? How would you from, from well, I'd say it's definitely it's definitely alive and well, but it's definitely an enthusiast uh, niche and hobby at the moment. I don't think it necessarily has to be, but the way that it is, if there's, if there really isn't put some strong production values put into the games, then the games themselves will, I don't think that they are, in terms of presentation, commercial grade, 
And there's a certain prejudice against games that present themselves primarily as text. So I think if you if you turn these games into more of a multimedia experience, which I guess is not, not the purest point of view, then there are commercial legs to these games. Scott Adams, um, as, as we both mentioned earlier, um, he has been producing some commercial software. He's um, produced a spin-off of the Redwall um, series of books, which I'm not an expert on, but uh, has voice acting as well as wow. Yeah, so so it has voice acting and uh, lovely artwork, and obviously those are value add features. Normally, you wouldn't have uh, if if an enthusiast is putting together a text adventure, it would be text, and it wouldn't be the spoken word, and you wouldn't have actors doing that. So if you're a fan of those books and uh, you are interested in kind of real interactive fiction, because I, I think this is interactive fiction, what Scott is doing there. Um, if you're interested in interactive fiction, then that's a great way to immerse yourself, not only in the gameplay of text adventure game, but in the interactive story and multimedia elements uh, that, that he's bringing to the table. I don't know what's in store for Scott next. I, I know that his company is uh, still producing these kind of high quality text adventure games. And uh, hopefully more people start doing that too. Um, if uh, if there's a resurgence of interest in text adventure games or in interactive fiction, uh, I guess we need, we need to get both uh, descriptors in there. <laughs> yeah, anybody want to know what your opinion of the difference is? They can check back on the previous interview. Yeah, check it. If you've got, if you've got about <laughs> half an hour to, to endure the rant. Oh, it is quite interesting. That at least I learned a lot. That, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, that that's great. At least that, as you mentioned, that's even that there's still a community that's alive and well. And hopefully, at least this Talp project can can help people become more aware of it. That uh, because at least up until last year, before I spoke to you, I I did believe that not not that they were dead, but that there wasn't as much of a community. And I see now there is. You know, bigger community than I expected, mm-hmm. which is great. And um, yeah, ho- hopefully uh, can, can I mention? Like, sorry, yes. can I mention one one thing? Uh, there's been yes. there, there have been some new systems that have been coming out, new adventure game systems. So obviously, you know, I'm a kind of advocate for adventure on because it's my system. But there are some excellent other systems that are appearing uh, at the moment. Like I said, Dard Dard has been there for a while, um, and there's a new system called Puny Inform. Now, this is really great if you're trying to make text adventure games for old computer systems. And um, so you can make a game and it will it will run on maybe, I don't know the exact number, but of the order of 20 retro old systems. Now, those games tend to be multimedia light. They tend to be more textual based, but it's a really, really great time for text adventure tooling. And I think that this tooling uh, in, in conjunction with exploration of uh, best practice in design will produce games that are more appealing to a younger audience. Uh, that's that's kind of my feeling. And uh, the Puny Inform project is an excellent project. And uh, if Adventuron isn't for you, uh, then do check out Puny. Oh, I'll, I'll certainly look to uh, include them in the show notes uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for people who, who might want to try. I mean, I recommend people check out Adventuron, but then as you said, you can also check out these other software that I suppose the, the more the merrier, the more tools, the better for people. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's uh, it's not a kind of um, but I don't know. It's it's growing the market is the real thing. It's not trying to get a bigger slice of the limited pie. It's like the pie is so small at the moment. We all benefit when we kind of Definitely. contribute to the community because the community the community really is quite small and it's got such scope to grow. That's that's my true feeling of it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people now have uh, nostalgia for the 80s uh, with, uh, you know, TV series and movies uh, like uh, Stranger Things, which is hugely popular. So why not text yeah. adventures and interactive fiction? <laughs> it makes sense for because we're we're kind of in a, you know, you mentioned as well as like in one of the sites that we're in a post graphics age that uh, people are going back from wanting the shiniest best graphics to maybe going back to no graphics or just graphics from, you know, from the 80s and just concentrating on content and on stories and on you know, gameplay and puzzles, which I think text adventures and uh, interactive fiction can really focus on. Um, so yeah, so that's a, that's a project, a text adventure literacy project. It runs until 31st of March, 2021. And then we can play those games where people want to, uh, to, to uh, make a game and add it there, they can. We will include the show notes and links in the show notes as well. 
Is there anything else that you would like to mention, uh, Chris? Um, anything that we haven't covered uh, be before I finish? Is there anything now that while you're here since, uh, <laughs> since, since the last time that we, <laughs> until next year? When <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, I just like to just like to mention that um, I don't know there there are jams ongoing all year. The text adventure community is small, but it's uh, it's living, and it doesn't really take much to to contribute towards it. And it's a really great way for anybody who thinks that they can't code, uh, like maybe they've got a story inside themselves, but they can't code. They don't feel that they're able to code or draw a really detailed graphical adventure game. It's a really simple way to get into kind of interactive puzzle design or interactive story design. So uh, this is a really good stepping stone to becoming, starting to code. If you can do this, then it's really, really easy to move to the next thing. Nice, yeah. So, uh, you know, heard it there a lot. A lot of you know benefits as well. Even if you have don't have a coding experience, this can be a stepping stone for it, or even yes. to tell stories. It's it's not the end game. It's you know it is a stepping stone. Well, hope hopefully you'll have. It seems like you're already having uh, success uh, already with Scott Adams, and then with Adventure On, with a thriving community in Discord, which I will join now after after this recording <laughs> um but no i'm delighted to, to see that there is uh that there are updates on this that you see to be doing well and uh yeah so we'll create a show in the show notes so and thank you for joining me chris uh we will be in contact with ourselves and oh no maybe next year we can speak out of lockdown <laughs> yes that would be great <laughs> that, that would be nice maybe face to face maybe in person for, yes. rather than our room rather than the same room that i've been in since last year <laughs> yes uh, we, we can dream yes hopefully it won't be too long away so thank you so much chris and the thank best luck with the project you take care thank you bye-bye <laughs>the adventure games podcast then please subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts please leave a review on itunes if you can as every review helps and reviews will help get the word out especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast now you can also follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are an adventure game developer or adventure game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you